really dialing your offer is the first step. I would say the second part of the playbook is really developing authentic relationships. And to be able to build authentic ones, it pays off in the long run forever. And then the third part that I think is really critical is to hire help as fast as possible. So getting somebody who can lighten your load, who can help you to live that freedom life that we're all looking for as entrepreneurs is critical to make that happen. Here at Kajabi, we're known for one thing, helping everyday people like you build successful businesses online. With our simple all-in-one platform, we've paved the way for over 100,000 people to create 300,000 products and collectively earn over $3.9 billion in revenue. And the Creators Playbook podcast is here to inspire, educate, and empower you to do the same. So unlike other podcasts that highlight the glory stories of today's most successful entrepreneurs, we're bringing you the real stories from real people who've created real success to give you the advice and playbook you need to succeed in today's digital marketplace. So if you're someone who's looking to start an online business, then allow us to be the first to welcome you home to the Kajabi family. everyone and welcome to the Creators Playbook podcast. Today I'm joined by my friend Jen Argue, founder and CEO of Jen Argue Masterminds. Jen's going to be sharing some of her tactics and her playbook on how to get up and running with a coaching business or a mastermind business. Thank you, Jen, for taking the time out of your day to join us here. Just to get things rolling, give everyone, if you could, your elevator pitch on who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I help uh, coaches and consultants and industry experts run profitable masterminds so that they can dig deeper with the clients who they really are good at helping, but also be able to scale, you know, their efforts and being able to help them. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I kind of, I want to dig into your backstory a little bit. Um, I can't imagine that you woke up in the morning at three years old and said, I want to be a person who facilitates or helps people get run successful masterminds. So maybe you could just give us a tidbit of that journey. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So So I've been a licensed therapist my whole life, basically, since out of college and grad school. And, uh, you know, every time you move to a new state, you got to get relicensed and go through all those hoops. And in about 2015, we moved to California and I was nearing 50 years old. Oh, gosh, I just gave my age now. (laughs) (laughs) But I decided, uh, you know, I think I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to pivot. I'm going to do life coaching. And it's, it's a thing in California. Right. So that's what I decided to do. But then I had to figure out how to market myself as a life coach. And so I did what anybody does. And I went to Google and asked the question. And the first course that popped up, I said, looks good. Let's do it. And turns out the guy's course was on SEO. So good job. But he had this bonus in the course uh, that was done by his mastermind coach, his mastermind coach. And so I fell in love with that bonus. And I thought that is exactly what I want to do. Um, It just kind of made everything come alive for me as far as my therapist strengths and bringing people together. And knowing that just from being a therapist, when you bring people together in a group, growth does happen a lot faster. And I'm all about speed. I love things to happen fast. And I just started my mastermind business from there. It just, that was all I focused on that next week. I went and started my first mastermind. 
Amazing. So as as a therapist, uh, you are you've always kind of been an entrepreneur, if you will. I don't I don't know, I guess, enough about it entirely, but I don't imagine you're collecting a W-2 from, you know, uh, it's not like a job that you go get hired for. You're kind of independent, right? That is exactly it. And it's so funny you say that because I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. And I'm not sure that most therapists do. I think we just think of ourselves as people helpers. And that's just, even if we have a private practice, we don't label ourselves as entrepreneurs, but it is truly what we are. We're entrepreneurs running a therapy business. And that didn't dawn on me until I got into this world of entrepreneurship and taking these courses about marketing yourself online. And it dawned on me, oh, that's what I am. That's crazy. I never thought about it that way. So for you, maybe it was or maybe it wasn't, but I'm assuming maybe it was a little less daunting for you to just start something fresh after the move. Or did you also think of this as something like completely new and out of the realm of your comfort zone? Zone. That's a great question. Um, I think it was a little out of my comfort zone because as a therapist, I really do love uh, the one-on-one and the groups. And thinking about putting myself out there online previously, I had all of my social media on lockdown because I didn't want my clients to, you know, interact or see me, you know, in my real life. You're supposed to keep that private. You know, and so as an entrepreneur and a life coach, it was completely different, completely new to me. I remember it being like a huge decision about making my Facebook profile public. And then the next big decision was all these people are friending me now because that's what entrepreneurs tend to do. Do I accept that? It's it was these early steps were such they felt really big to me, whereas now they don't seem so big. And also stepping into entrepreneurship, once I started to get that mindset that I am an entrepreneur and I have been an entrepreneur, it struck me like I have this whole family lineage of entrepreneurs. I'm technically a fourth generation entrepreneur. So when I started to make that mindset shift, then I started to lean on like my dad and my grandpa and stories of my great grandpa, you know, and all the things they did. I started to things through a different lens and it really did help me and give me courage to step into that role. Let's talk more about when you when you realized that you really wanted to pr- pursue this full time. Uh, was this something that like the decision that you made and you knew you were doing it? Did you go through any different iterations or pivots to get where you are today? Well, I, I did want to do it full time. And I think uh, I did have a job on the side that was supporting me because it it does take money to make money. And I wanted to invest in coaching and courses and get the help that I needed. And so I had a plan that I was going to work that job until this venture, my mastermind, started paying what my job was paying plus 30% because of self-employment taxes. Yeah. And as soon as I hit that and I felt really good about it, like I was there for a few months reliably, that's when I gave my notice, quit that job and just... You yeah, I went full time into it at that point. There's so. Yeah, there's something so powerful there. I think yeah, we don't have the statistics on this, but um, every time that I speak with people like you, it's amazing how common it is for someone to actually be working another job as they're starting things out. And I think that that might actually be a common path for many entrepreneurs as they're getting up and running, because, of course, you can't just go all in unless you have this giant nest egg. Um, so I, I want to get a feel for how long it took for you to get from that point of you know working the job to exceeding your previous income by your target of 30 percent. 
percent. Yeah, I would say about 18 months. Okay. Yeah. So I was working the job first. I was doing my life coaching. And it wasn't until I started to feel like I couldn't keep that caseload full that I actually went and looked up, you know, did the Google thing. (laughs) And then from that point on, that first course, uh, that was basically like 18 months from that point. And what that really entailed was, you know, signing up for that first course. I think it was maybe a thousand dollars and it felt big. And then another course came along that's a really popular one that a lot of people invest in. And that was a $2,000 program. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, $2,000 is so big, so big, but I do... I do want the guidance. And so I took the plunge and did that. And I still felt like there were still some pieces missing. And about a month later, I, through searching and, you know, asking around and everything, I came across another course that was $7,000. And I, I know I didn't even bat an eyelash. I was just like, take my money because now I have confidence that whatever they're teaching, I can learn it. I can apply it. It works. And I knew exactly what I wanted and, and they actually did deliver on it. And this is what I always tell people when it comes to, you know, charging high prices for things. If you really communicate the value, people will find the money for it and happily pay it just like I did. You know, I, I think when you don't know, it's a feels like a really big risk. But when you are certain about exactly what you want and it looks like the person is providing that value, then it's a no brainer. Did you go through any type of complex ROI calculations? Did you did you figure out what you needed to achieve in your business in order to justify that big cost? Or how did you approach the financial aspect? I, I think, well, I'm I'm a P on the Myers-Briggs, so I'm kind of shoot from the hip type okay. of person. <laughs> But um, people person, <laughs> but really, uh, I knew, I knew I, I really functioned from intuition. And I knew that if I could do what this person was teaching in their course, I definitely would make that 10 or even a hundred fold, which I did. Well, let's talk a little bit about the playbook that you've, uh, you've had in mind yeah. to share with some of our listeners. Yes. Um, first of all, give us an idea of what that is and yeah. uh, any credentials chills, if you will, or why, why should they listen to you? Yeah. So, well, <laughs> I think my background as a therapist really has helped me to be a good observer and to be able to connect a lot of dots. And with starting the mastermind um, venture, I did that without knowing about the common things that people talk about out there, that if you're going to run masterminds, you have to already have a course, you have to have a big email list, you have to have a niche, you know, an audience. I had zero of those things. And so the playbook really that I go by is what I did. And that helped me run masterminds for five years and now launch a group coaching program on helping other people to launch their own profitable masterminds. So basically the playbook that I go by is that you want to design a solid offer. That's really the first step. You you need to know exactly what you're offering to somebody, what the transformation is going to be, what the steps are involved to get there, and how all of that's going to change their life. And so if you can really dial in your offer and have it be short term at first, like six weeks to three months, and that way it's long enough to help people get the transformation, um, but not so long that you're not moving on. You know, you want to get the lesson 
listens. You want to get the testimonials, the feedback along the way. And so that length, I think, is just really a perfect length. My first mastermind was three months and it was just right. Like the transformation I saw people get, I got to refine my skills. I got to get all the testimonials. It was great to then keep going. Um, So really dial in your offers the first step. I would say the second part of the playbook is really developing authentic relationships with people. And maybe that's because of my therapist background, but I really believe in the power of relationships and to be able to build authentic authentic ones. Really, it's a marathon strategy, but it pays off in the long run forever. I'm still friends with people who I entered into this world, this entrepreneur world with, you know, seven years ago. We're still hanging out together. We're still doing things and collaborating together. And that really feeds your business. As long as, you know, you're doing the same, you're feeding their business. And that's the authenticity part of it, I think, the back and forth. Um, And then the third part that I think is really critical is to hire help as fast as possible. So getting somebody who can lighten your load, who can help you to live that freedom life that we're all looking for as entrepreneurs um, is critical to make that happen. And hiring, I'll, I'll just drop this, hiring out of values. You know, making sure the person that you are going to be working with is very aligned with your values, because then you can do anything together. Well, I want to break down each of these even okay. more. Uh, just just moving into the first um, the first step, you talked about uh, creating clarity in your offer. So, if I am that, if I'm considering starting my own mastermind or starting up as a coach, what does that look like? In addition to to time, what are some of the things that I might focus on in terms of providing a clear offer to a prospective audience? Yeah. So like doing the prep work and making sure that it's all spelled out clearly exactly what you're going to be doing over that course of time. How long do you actually need to get the transformation? And then as far as getting it out there, the best way truly that first round is to go around and invite people in. So in personally invite them, uh, invite them onto a phone call where you can have that exchange. You can see what's going on in their life. What kind of tools do they need? Support do they need? So they feel like you're actually there to support them. And then, and then you can, you know, ask their permission to let them know about what you're doing and that you would love to have them in. I really do believe in the personal invitation, like telling somebody, I really would love to have you in this. I think you would be a perfect addition to, you know, this process that I'm starting out and and this transformation that it could bring to you. I would love to have you in this. And because I think a lot of people might think like, oh, that is really good, but maybe they don't want to work with me or maybe they don't have self-belief that they could actually get that transformation. And for you to say, I really would love to have you in this. I I just know that this would make a change for you speaks volumes to that person. If they have any type of insecurity, that really does speak volumes to them that, okay, it's, if it's not only their system that's going to work for me, but also their their belief in me that I can do this, this might actually work and it might actually help me. And I think just that warm personal invitation saying something along those lines really does help people. Is a part of your process of creating clarity around your offer, like defining the particular pain point? So for example, are you thinking about solving a very, very specific problem? Or what do you think of in terms of of clarity of the, the results? Yeah, I think when people are starting off, they don't 
honestly have a very clear idea of a super specific result. Mm -hmm. They just know uh, I can help you in this area or I can help this people group in this area. And so what I'm a firm believer in is testing. So it has to kind of be this overlapping of what am I good at? What does somebody else need? Where does that overlap? But also, do I love working with those people? Sure. You know, and so and can they pay for it? So I think if all four of those things are, you know, in that overlapping area, it's a good place to start your testing. And you might even think like if you're starting out of having a few areas you want to test. So for example, I'm working with somebody right now who's a health coach and she's amazing when it comes to helping people get like a health transformation, but also she's an ultra marathon runner. And so she could easily coach people on how to run a marathon with ease. And like she can run a marathon or an ultra marathon and the next day just be at the park playing with her kid. <laughs> like she's a mother who's doing all this stuff. And so I think she's got a few different areas where she could very easily test out a coaching program with and see, you know, where are people really attracted to her offer? But if she is, or anybody who's listening to this is going to create clarity around their offer, I would say the easiest way to start is just to pick like three to five pillars within your offer and say, you know, what are the most important things that I'm helping them with? Um, and then like list the transformation under each of those pillars and how using each of those pillars gets them to the big transformation that they're looking for, the big problem that you're solving. And then if you want to have bonuses included, have those bonuses address different things that aren't necessarily necessary to get them the transformation, but really speak to maybe objections that they would have, you know, with joining your program. So for example, with my program, I help people to come up with their idea for the mastermind, plan it out, market it, onboard you know, actually run it. And then the bonuses are more around like, okay, troubleshooting, retreats, hiring a VA to help you, you know, so those bonuses aren't necessary to run a profitable mastermind, but they're there to support you if you feel like, but what if I don't know what to do if something bad happens? Or what if I want to run a retreat? Or what if I'm just too overworked and I don't have the time? Well, then you hire a VA. So I think just getting clarity around your pillars, what's necessary to make the transformation happen, solve the problem, and then bonuses are always great to get people over the line to commit. You talked about testing. Um, and I want to touch on that before we move yeah. on to the second uh, okay. step that you talked about. What are some of the methods that you use to uh, identify whether or not that idea that you're putting in place is actually going to be successful? Market research. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely market research. And I always say you are never too small or too big to do market research. My husband does market research for Nike. Mm. Like Nike's huge, right? You think they They'd have it all dialed in, but they are always researching before they put products out there. And so just like Nike, we can do our own market research and reach out to people who we think are our ideal type of client, not just anybody. We don't want to reach out to like our mom or our sister, you know, unless they are our ideal client, but reach out to somebody who seems like somebody you would love to work with and then do the interviews, do the questions, um, you know, ask them what their biggest challenges are, what their struggles are are around the type of thing that you typically help people with. And then seeing, you know, how motivated would they be to solve that problem? Because that'll tell you if they actually would invest <laughs> in what you're offering. Because we might have things that we would love to coach people on, but if 
it's not that big of a problem to somebody. It's just a little problem. It's probably going to be hard to build a big business around it. Yeah. Not just a, a, the size of problem, but a problem someone's willing to pay to yes. solve. Yes. Are there any tactics that you found to be successful in identifying those problems or those challenges or those solutions, if you think about it from the inverse perspective, that there is going to be a willingness to actually pay for that? Yeah. I I mean, I'm kind of a straightforward person. So I would probably just ask how motivated are you on a scale one to 10? You know, would you be willing to pay X amount of dollars for this? And if you knew without a shadow of the doubt that the solution would solve it for you. And I think you find out, you know, I think people uh, answer that. Honestly, I would trust their answer. And if you're not getting a nine or a 10, yeah, I don't know. I might rethink it and test some other things. Yeah. Well, let's talk more about the second uh, area of your playbook. Um, Tell us, well, first of all, just uh, remind us all what step two is. So step two is creating authentic relationships right. with people. All right. Yeah. So let's talk about how how you go about approaching that. Um, is that exclusive to your coaching one-on-one? Is that also something that you're able to facilitate in like the bigger group conversations? How do you go about approaching those authentic relationships? Yeah. To me, it's really for anything. I, I, don't, I don't... When I look at somebody, if I see them out there and I think they just look like an amazing person, I would love to get to know. I, I'll read reach out. I guess I'm an extrovert, so that helps. <laughs> but I love to reach out to people and just say, hey, I want to get to know you. What are you doing? And truly authentically, not like in the spammy, I'm in your DMs, you know, trying to bait and, you know, bait you into something. Um, it's it's just, it is a relationship. I would say probably the best way that I've found to really start those kind of conversations is to have engaging social media. You know, engaging social media is one thing, um, whether it's your Facebook group, your Facebook page, your Instagram stories, um, things that you're posting on the gram or LinkedIn, like just being able to engage with people and ask questions, engage on other people's posts. I know that sounds like um, very strategy oriented. I like to think of things as more of a flow state, you know, but if you are strategic about it, like making an effort to do that every day for half hour to an hour, I think you start to notice like who resonates with what you're communicating about. And and I always love to just get on, you know, like approach them in the DMs and say, I just love your stuff. Yeah. Would you ever want to just hang out, like get to meet each other? I have on my scheduling links, a coffee chat and I'll do 30 minute coffee chats with people just to get to know them and ask how I can support them. And I think if people can tell your energy, if you're coming at them with a needy sort of energy or, or even like an aggressive energy, um, when it's just a social, like, let's get to know each other. This is a big entrepreneur world and it's great to just know other people in it so we don't feel alone, then I think it's well-received. And especially at conferences, I love going to, co- I love the Kajabi conferences so much because I feel like you guys really encourage getting to know each other and creating time in the schedule for that. I always love that. And definitely people that I've met at conferences have been great people too that I've continued to collaborate with over the years and we've stayed in touch. So when people really enter your world through authentic relationships, I think, and you're asking them how you can support them, they'll just tell you, you know, if they like 
you know, interacting with you, they're just going to say, gosh, you know, I've really been thinking about a mastermind lately. Can you tell me about yours? Or I've been thinking about like, I really do need coaching around XYZ. Can you tell me what you do with that? And it just kind of comes about naturally. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I completely agree with your point on like the conferences. People will spend thousands of dollars to attend these things. And usually the area of highest value are the relationships that you build in between sessions. (laughs) You know, there's, usually maybe one or two takeaways from the stage that you'll write down and you maybe put to use, but the relationships you build are so powerful. I do want to know more about you. You really touched on something that I selfishly want to know about, and I imagine our listeners will want to know more about. Uh, You talked a little bit about social. Um, This is something that I'm like personally trying to learn to adapt to. So I want to know, like, what are the tactics to creating that engagement on social that you mentioned earlier? Uh, And what does engagement mean to you, first of all? Yeah. Um, well, engagement means just at a minimum level, like who's watching, you know, when, when it comes to Instagram stories and Facebook stories, you can see who's watching and it's fun to like see who are the people who are always there, always catching it. It doesn't mean that they're ever going to buy something for you, you know, but I do think it means like, well, maybe they like you enough to keep watching. It'd be fun to get to know them. And so that's one very easy way. And then I would say, you know, uh, putting stickers in your stories and it sounds so silly, but the everyday life stuff, you know, and doing stickers, like people love that just to like engage a yes or no thing, you know, or what's your favorite type of thing. Not the open questions. Nobody likes to answer those unless you're like got 25,000 viewers, you know, but if you're, you know, a smaller account, you can do those yes or no, or the pick one type thing or the slidey thing. But other than that, it's, you know, when people comment, if you, if you do engaging like questions on your posts and people comment, comment back, comment back in the DMs, comment, you know, just be engaged. It is all about being social. And I, like I said, it was hard for me to get there. Uh, but I really did put in the effort and it felt very uncomfortable, <laughs> but it got better over time and I could see the value of it, which really helped. I do think, again, it's a long game. Relationships are a long game typically, um, but that's okay. And when people see you consistently showing up, I think that speaks volumes to them that you're in it. You're not going anywhere. You're committed to whatever it is that you're putting out there and helping people. So I think that really helps in the long run. And then once you have that established, I think it's okay to take a break now and then and you know, I know everybody says you should never, ever ghost, but I ghost and it doesn't ever kill me. So <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to the next one, I, I want to know a little bit more about you, you mentioned showing that you're committed. How long does that take? Uh, again, <laughs> I, I'm on this journey myself. And so yes. I want to know, is it like, does it take a year? Does it take a month? What does commitment or what does committed look like? I would say if I had to put a hard number on it, I would say 18 months. Okay. Yeah. To me, if you can hang in there for 18 months, even at a minimum, like one or two posts a week, but making them high quality. I know the gurus, the social media gurus would say daily or multiple times daily. But honestly, if you have other things going on in your life, um, it, it can sometimes feel like all or nothing. And it's the all or nothing that can really trip us up in all areas of life. But with social media, I think if we even do two or three times a week, at the least once a week. That's okay. It's okay. As long as they're good quality. I love that answer. And maybe that actually segues well into the the hiring um, 
and bringing on that team member. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about that. What are yes. some of the the drivers? What are some of the just the indicators that tell you now is the time that I need to take on some additional help? Yes, I think from the moment you start is the time. I think if you can go even at a very basic level, go to those you know online sites that have people you can hire them for project based things. Like start out there. That's a great place to start. And you have to know yourself, right? You have to know what is it about you and what you like to do and what you don't like to do or what you're good at or what you're not good at that would be the thing you would hire out for. I think it's different for everybody. For me, I'm just, I don't want to say I'm lazy, but I do like my time freedom. (laughs) And so I don't want to be, I, I don't want to be on the website making changes. I don't, you know, even if, even if I can do it faster myself, I just don't want to do it myself. (laughs) So I'm going to hire that out. And I love that. For me, it's my mental health. It's kind of like getting a new computer, right? It's it's like maybe you don't need it, but I love the speed and it's my mental health because I go crazy if I'm like pausing too long with that spinny circle. You know, it's like that's kind of what a VA is like to me. I love knowing that I have somebody and and I'm, I'm just I don't know if this is one of your future questions, but I'm going to just say the main reason I signed up for Kajabi was for the ease. It was the ease that I can get in there, do things myself because on other platforms, I never felt that confidence, but I really feel the confidence when I'm on Kajabi that I can do things myself. And second, that you're all in one. Like I do not want to be connecting this and that, this and that. I have everything on Kajabi from my email to my podcast, my blog, my website, my offers, my funnels, products, everything. And I love Kajabi so much. I've got that three website plan. So I am set with you know other businesses that I've got running on Kajabi too. This is just my primary one, but I love that. And what's so great about that is when you hire, there are so many people who know how to do Kajabi. And my VA, even though he didn't know Kajabi when I hired him, he learned it so fast because it's user-friendly. Yes. Yeah. And the help and support is through the roof. So <laughs> I love that. And he loves that. So um, basically for me, I hired out to, you know, make sales pages for me, create funnels for me, schedule my emails. So I just send him like content and stuff. And then he just creates it, sets it up and hits go. And I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you did actually jump ahead to the next question, which is is great. Um, I think you covered a lot of this, but one of the things I'm really interested in understanding is when did you realize that there was actually a need for a tool like Kajabi on your business journey? Yes. Well, uh, remember that course that I paid $7,000 for? I do. (laughs) Um, that's when I created my website and that's when I knew I needed a website. Um, you know, I had my program set up. I was ready to go and I didn't know where to go with that. I, this was all new to me. And so I hired a company that a lot of people talked about at the time and they built something for me on, can I say WordPress? You can okay. Say <laughs> <laughs> um, and I am just not techie at all. And I don't know why it was so overwhelming to me to go on WordPress, you know, I just, I don't know, it was overwhelming. And I knew I needed to have the ability to do it myself. So what I did was I switched it. I tried to rebuild what they built for me myself on another platform. And it was a little better, but I still wasn't satisfied. And I knew I needed someplace to put my program, like my product. And 
so I started asking around and uh, there were a lot of people talking about Kajabi and something else. And But it just seemed like Kajabi kept coming up most. And I thought, okay, let me look into this. Let me see what's happening here with Kajabi. And I started comparing it to other places, other platforms. And really, Kajabi just kept coming out on top. And to me, I wanted something, number one, that was user-friendly. That was my top value. I had to be able to go in there myself and do it quickly. Like, And honestly, once I invested in Kajabi and started doing it, I could make a sales page in 30 minutes. Like, It's so great. Um, But I also needed it to look good. And you, the way Kajabi was set up just made me look good. Like people would tell me all the time they loved my website. And this was like way back when I first made my very first website. I think it was on the premiere. So yeah, and I still have it. Um, I am going to be updating it soon, but I still love it and people still love it. And people tell me who find me on the internet because when people Google entrepreneur, uh, let's see, entrepreneur masterminds for women or masterminds for entrepreneur women, I come up, I'm on the first page and I didn't even try to do anything. So whatever, however I built my website on Kajabi, it gave me excellent SEO and people say they called me because my website looked the best. <laughs> I didn't tell them I made it, but you know, thanks to you guys, you make me look good. So thank you. <laughs> I love that. Well, I want to bring it back to our listeners who are obviously getting, I think, a lot of value out of the things that you're sharing as I am. Um, so when thinking about someone, maybe it's yourself, maybe it's someone else who's maybe considering taking this entrepreneurial leap, starting out their journey as a coach or someone, maybe they want to use the masterminds as the strategy to grow their business or have that be their entire business. Uh, what would you say to yourself or that person? What tactics would you share um, or tips, advice that you would offer for someone who's just starting this out today? Yeah, I would say if you're just starting out, I I always used to say it's not that important to have a website like the day you start out, but I am kind of changing my mind on that. And I think it is. And I think you can, because when people hear about you, they start to look you up, right? And if they have your socials, that's one thing. But if you could just even have a one page website that has the value that you deliver on it, I think that speaks volumes to people. And especially if you're speaking to them about them, you know, if you have your website and it's like, I, I understand this is you right now. This is the pain that you're feeling. This is really what you want in life, what, what you wish was different. Um, that type of language on a website is going to really draw them in and help them to believe that you are the solution that they're looking for. And so I would say just investing in that website platform and getting going with your first page, that's a really great place to start. I think it does give you some credibility uh, for people to see that you have that up. And then again, going into like developing that offer, just have something that you're very clear on that you can offer people so that they know exactly how you help them. I love that. Well, that's like perfect timing. Let's just run through those three okay. playbook steps one more time. Okay. You said it. Um, yeah. Like walk us through them one more time. Okay. All right. Be very clear on your offer. Engage in authentic relationships. 
in people in your industry. And then third, hire help. Get help. So I love can, it. Yeah. I love it. Well, uh, with that being said, I think that is all we have for our listeners today. Thank you, Jen, for you, taking the time. Yeah. Out of your day to come share with us. Um, I think the playbook is awesome. Um, but yeah, thanks again for taking the time to show up on site here. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here. And I absolutely love what you guys are doing. <laughs> I love it. Well, that is all we have for you, our listeners, this week. We will look forward to seeing you next week on the Creators Playbook Podcast. 